right. Hey there. Welcome to Brainworms, the podcast that knows what it's doing is wrong and will never stop. I'm Joe. I'm David. And I'm Chris. Today we're going to be discussing Worlds of Power Metal Gear, written by Alexander Frost, writing as FX9. So, here's the thing. Imagine <laughs> it's 1990, right? Mm-hmm. Own a book packaging business. Okay. Okay. Your nephew informs you, no, Uncle Seth, I don't read books. I've never read a book. I play video games. Okay. Okay. Well, Seth Godin was in this exact situation. I may or may not have mispronounced this man's name. Um, and he was inspired and somehow used his publishing connections. Parlay a deal with Scholastic Books to write novelizations of Nintendo games. Bearing in mind, these are Nintendo games. Um, it, it, if, if you remember that era of gaming, not a ton of plot. I can't wait wait to read the Super Mario Brothers tie-in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we already we we got a movie version of that, and it was terrible. Oh god, that movie sucked. Uh, um, but yeah, not a ton of plot. Um, so he 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 somehow brokered a deal. Scholastic books. Do you remember the Scholastic Book Fair? That was cool. I do remember the Scholastic <clears throat> Book Fair. I looked forward to it excitedly every year. Right. Um and various video game publishers to publish novelizations of their games. He then hired authors, and I guess he acted as like a producer of this project. I don't know how that works with the book, but whatever. Um, to speed run the games and cobble together stories from them. Um, which is interesting because Scholastic very hard line like you have to remove elements like occultism and witchcraft so um, there goes all of the zelda like the entire sure. story of zelda um did, did i see that there was a castlevania i believe there is a castlevania yeah. how <laughs> <laughs> Look, the whole the whole story um, is is just belmont going to church and praying and not having sex before marriage and you know, being a, a Christian lad. Has an argument with Dracula and, and Dracula. I have an argument about what is a man. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, if you look at it, and, and the cover of this book will be the thumbnail everywhere that you're listening to this podcast. Um, they, they airbrush the gun out of Solid Snake's hands. Um kind of looks vaguely masturbatory oh oh because let me guess he's doing that like that secret agent thing really yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, like uh like to the because we didn't mention it and the readers can't read our minds you know like when you see in the movies the guys will have the guns pointed downward like the arm kind of at their side like elbow to the side yeah hand just over the penile <laughs> the penal zone um it, it's, it's very similar like he's got his hands up um, so he's like, he's mid hand job. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. like, like, yeah. All, like all and over And it's a two fister. <laughs> wow. Um, also they may have like edited out the gun that was in his hands, but they didn't get the one that was down by his hip. So good job sure. guys. Oh yeah, you're right. 
<laughs> I'm gonna put the uh, the link in the chat so that so the Chris can see it. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, okay, so here's my initial problem with this setup. Let's pretend like I'm an investor and uh-huh. someone is explaining this idea to me with Metal Gear. Um, I can't believe I forgot his name. Who's the guy? Who's the 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 mastermind? You know, the the big brain behind. Oh, Hideo, Kojima, Hideo, Kojima. Kojima. Yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so you're pitching this idea to me, and you're saying, "All right, we have a Metal Gear game that Kojima is not involved with at all." And I say, "Nope, just nope. You're no. That that's not going to work at all." <laughs> like, oh, I mean, and then this is somewhat beyond the scope of this podcast. But I mean, you know how that went. <laughs> like, uh, that that's going over my head, actually. Um, there was a whole shit show with the way that Sony treated, or not Sony, um, fuck, I'm drawing a blank. Konami. Konami, Metal Gear. Konami thank you. Um, where they basically, they, they basically just, they erased his name from a lot of things. Like, that's oh, how yeah, Death Stranding came about. Um, Sony, like, weren't idiots, and, you know. Give him some money they, to do whatever he wanted. Yeah, but like you're you're a creative that you know makes games that sells and and produces cult followings. Here's a lot of money. Go nuts. Do, do literally whatever you want. Um, I don't think he had anything to. I put that link in the chat, by the way. I don't think he had anything to do with this book. Yeah, so that's an immediate no. That's like that's like <laughs> that's like, hey, we're gonna make a Star Wars universe, but without the Force, like. Well, I mean that that actually has worked. I'm I'm trying to think of a good example of a um like a like a story that is so emblematic of the author. Like only that guy could write this. Only that person could do that. No no one else could No, I see what you're saying. But but no, this was just they just got this team of randos. Someone I think it might have been Seth Rodan. Um said like he wasn't really a video game player and he actually hated the video game playing part of this project got bad headaches from the games um so so that's kind of what we're dealing with well yay i'm excited i'm you know i in airbrushing out the gun you could have at least made it make more sense and like airbrush a flashlight in sure Oh yeah, go the uh, Spielberg route for ET. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but but anyway, that's that's how we got this novel, which was later described by by uh, Den of Geek as um, a secret plot by Nintendo to destroy any interest in reading, which may have lurked <laughs> within loyal players. <laughs> um, so that's where we are with uh, Worlds of Power Metal Gear. So we're going to dig into that. Hopefully that'll be fun content for you all. Um, And if you do enjoy this content, don't forget to find us on the social media and give us some money on patreon.com slash brainworms podcast. We also should show up when you search for us on Patreon. There was a weird glitch happening there that I think we've resolved. (sighs) Let's do it. I'm, I'm really glad that, you know, speaking of, uh, that 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 review about Nintendo's uh, conspiracy. I'm glad nobody has figured out our conspiracy, where we keep uh, reading terrible books to make people suicidal in hopes that they will, you know, get, leave us their fortunes when they die. 
That, that's oh, the whole. Yeah. That's the whole plan behind behind brainworms. And then we will rule the world. Oh no! I just said that on air. <laughs> it, it's long term uh, Stockholm syndrome. That's what we're yeah, going yeah. for here. Uh, the, eventually, um, you all will start to uh, identify with us. Which is interesting because we've locked ourselves in here with the listeners. <laughs> um, so that might not go the way we planned. Chapter One The Mission. Justin Halley strode purposefully through the underground hallways of Foxhound Command. Oh, Snake is called Justin Halley in this. I looked it up. He's not called that in the game. No. Like, no. <laughs> Let's come up with a name. Like, okay, no, hang on. Hang on. No, 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 no. Oh, we're, no, now we're on a tear. Yeah, no, no. Um, also, also, mind you, my only experience with the Metal Gear games was uh, Phantom Pain, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> Loved it. Um, um, and then I did a little bit of research. Um, the very first Nintendo game, the continuity, aside from the weirdness of the way that Kojima's mind works, like there is some some retcons and things that happened. But the continuity seems to be consistent from that first game. Okay. So anything um, that seems weird in this book is is just is just weird. But yeah, real quick, mm-hmm. um you you guys each have a name to come up with for um Snake. Mm-hmm. And it has to be a good one. Uh, mm-hmm. mine would mine would be I don't know, Arthur. Arthur's sure. a good one. It's fine. I mean so I don't see anything wrong with Solid Snake personally, yeah. but uh, I, I I feel like if he had a real name, they wouldn't scream out Snake it's true. when he died. Um, I feel like Jake Rivers would, would be a good name for this character. <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Jake! <laughs> no offense to anyone named Justin, by the way. Right, right. Hopefully I didn't blow out my microphone when I laughed a second ago. That was loud. <laughs> Anyway. All right. Justin I think that's ha- a, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I, I was going to comment. I think that's a new record of one sentence before we go <laughs> off on a tangent. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I apologize. No, no. No, that's why we're here. <laughs> Justin Halley strode purposefully through the underground hallways of Foxhound Command. At age 20, he was the youngest captain ever to serve in the U.S. Marines' Special Forces anti-terrorist squad known as the Snake Men. His codename, Solid Snake. Allie had a lot on his mind. Three weeks earlier, 15 Snake Men, half the squadron, had been dispatched from their underground training base on a top-secret mission. So far. Is, wait, is 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 this what he has on his mind, or is it just Snake was walking through the stuff, like through the hallways? He had a lot on his mind. Anyway, three weeks earlier, <laughs> I, I I imagine the implication is that this is what he is thinking about. Yeah. Three weeks earlier, fifteen Snake men, half the squadron, had been dispatched from their underground training base on a top secret mission. So far, not a single one of them had returned. Were they dead? Captured? Nobody knew. 
Well, I mean, they might. And none of the remaining snake men dared to speak of it out loud. They could only wait and wonder. Now, of the fifteen snake men left, only Justin Halley had been sent for. The order had come directly from Commander South, head officer of Foxhound Command, the military unit controlling the snake men. As Halley entered the command center, he saw that the vast room was empty except for three people, himself, Foxhound Commander South, and South's brand new second-in-command, Lieutenant General West. As, <laughs> as usual, Commander South was in combat fatigues, general stars on his shoulders, colorful campaign ribbons and medals pinned to his chest, his camouflage pants tucked into his high-laced boots. A battered old beret with the insignia of the Snake Men was pulled down at an angle on his head. Incidentally, I don't think that his unit was called the Snake Men in the video game. I believe they were just called Foxhound. Yeah, 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 it, 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 yeah, yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Um, but also, you know, uh, you know, aside from South and West, um, they also have Elijah Wood reprising his role as North. <laughs> Thanks. <clears throat> and was Snake a Marine? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, um, I. I feel I like they never that, actually yeah. gave him a specific like. Um, I don't believe that they were official military. I think they were just mercenaries. Uh, that would that would be Big Boss, who is not Snake. Okay, but now we're getting into into Metal Gear Deep Lore. So right. <laughs> oh God, we're gonna we're gonna get SEO for Metal Gear on this episode. And and Metal Gear fans are just going to tear us for not knowing the fucking continuity. Be gentle. Be gentle. Yeah. A battered old beret with the insignia of the Snake Men was pulled down at an angle on his head. The beret had been with Commander South all the way through his many paratroop missions in Vietnam, and he'd sooner part with his right hand than with that ancient piece of clothing. Lieutenant that's, General. Uh, that's weirdly prophetic. <laughs> yeah. Lieutenant General West was wearing his dress blue uniform, freshly cleaned and pressed, and so stiff that it could stand at attention all by itself. Spit know, I'm sorry. Um, if, if I were a, a 10, 12-year-old boy, clearly the target audience for this book, and, and I was fairly literate at that age, and I was like, cool, I'm going to read this fun Metal Gear book. I opened it and just got paragraphs of uniforms. <clears throat> I feel like I would get pretty bored pretty fast. Like, let's jump into it's metal. It's a Metal Gear book. Jump into the action is all I'm saying. Yeah, I would say like you know you that that target audience being you know twelve year old junior high kids maybe start with an action sequence, not a uniform sequence, right? <laughs> We got the action sequence. He was marching with purpose down the hallways. Oh, That's yeah. true. That's true. Norman Baton would be proud. <laughs> the spit polish on his black shoes gleamed. West was a by-the-book kind of officer, but he'd improve with time. The Snake Men squad would see to that. Solid Snake. We have, a, 
Solid Snake, we have a special mission for you, South told Halley, stood straight and tall before him at attention, his dark blue eyes front. But it's voluntary, Captain Halley. You don't have to go. It may very well cost you your life. In fact, the chances are 10,000 to 1 against you. Passive-aggressive. <laughs> you don't have to go, but it's a very important mission. I mean, you, I'm not going to make you go. It's fine. You don't have to. But it is a very important mission. <laughs> also, like, it may very well cost you your life is just sort of de rigueur for yeah. military service, right? Like, yeah. hey, you're a special forces unit. You want to go on this mission to get us ice cream? Right. <laughs> it's like if you were a janitor and your boss was like, all right, I have a really important job for you. Might have to clean up a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, Justin called out snappily, his gaze never wavering. Have you ever heard of Dr. Ivan Petovich? Dr. Petovich? The astrophysicist and nuclear scientist who defected to our side from the Soviet Union six years ago? Exposition? Yes, sir. That's the man. Eight months like ago, that. he was kidnapped, and he seems to have disappeared off the face of the Earth. We expected to hear that one terrorist group or another was claiming credit for his capture and was holding him hostage. But no word came. We didn't know if he was alive or dead. Now we believe that he is in fact alive, but a prisoner. For some months now, our intelligence forces have been picking up random clues. We thought, at first, those clues were unconnected. But when we put them all together over a period of time, they began to point to a strong possibility. Now we're fairly certain that Dr. Petovich is alive and is hidden in a secret base of Colonel Vermin Katafi's, a base called Outer Heaven. Is Vermin Katafi, like, does he double as a YouTuber? <laughs> I do appreciate that his name is Vermin, but it's spelled V-E-R-M-O-N. So is like, that Vermon? Like, is that, wait, hang on, is that an actual name? Now I need to know. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, maybe it is Vermon, but, <clears throat> um, yeah, I've. You gotta be a real special parent to name your child Vermin. Yeah. That's that's all I'm saying. Like, Jesus. No yeah. wonder he became a super villain. Yeah, what else was he gonna do with his life? <laughs> become a pro wrestler. <clears throat> Hallie's eyelids flickered, but he said nothing. No junior officer, not even one of the snake men, would dare to offer a comment to his commander unless asked to do so. But his pulse raced with excitement. Colonel Furman Katafi, the single most feared terrorist on the planet, a psychopath bent on dominating the world, his nature so <clears throat> cruel as to verge on insanity. He was a total paranoid, his deeds those of a madman. Colonel what deeds? Yeah. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, Colonel Katafi was dictator for life of his small but incredibly wealthy and savage desert country, Noria. Katafi's sole purpose in life was to bring the democratic nations to their knees. 
his terrorist actions were hideous, violent, always unexpected, and secretly funded by the CIA. You know, what? what is with, like, American writers and thinking that terrorists have nothing better to do but just, like, spend all day sitting in a chair just thinking about how much they hate democracy? There's a lot to unpack there. There's a... That's... Yeah. <laughs> that's a longer conversation. <laughs> that, 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 was, that was a very pointed commentary. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, where to begin? I would advise uh, everyone who hasn't seen it should watch a documentary film called Hypernormalization. Last I heard, you could actually find the full thing on YouTube, and it's uh, it's it's pretty worth watching. Hypernormalization. Uh, if I have time after reading all of the. Uh series of Nintendo novels <laughs> then then maybe. Just try to sneak it in there. Yeah. And always effective because they struck fear into the hearts of world leaders. Katafi bombed civilian aircraft, killed innocent people, took non-combatants hostage, and tortured them without mercy. A mission against Katafi. I suppose that torturing them with mercy? Yeah, that's like, you know, we we want to hear from you, but are you comfortable? <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a cup of coffee before we begin? <laughs> we're terrorists, we, we're not savages. Perhaps a Mountain Dew. We have ways of making you talk. Have a lozenge. <laughs> <laughs> A mission against Katafi. Halley felt his heart swell with eagerness. Also, here was a chance to rescue his buddies, the lost snake men. David, you're a little older than I am. Does that... it um does it time out that this character is called Katafi because it kind of sounds like Qaddafi? Oh absolutely. Yeah. Okay. That absolutely. that seemed right, but it was like that period in history is murky. Yeah, this no, history is going way over my head, by the way. Yeah, that's fine. They're they're absolutely talking about Colonel Gaddafi. I thought so. Yeah. But but yeah, I wanted to make sure I wasn't wrong. Who was, in fact, funded by the CIA. CIA, yeah. So you know, that's can of worms. <laughs> yeah. Kind of beyond the scope of this show. Yep. Commander South continued. We now believe we've located the secret base. Satellite reconnaissance of a distant jungle has revealed an unfamiliar complex of buildings. Not in Noria, but somewhere else. I'm not authorized to share that information with you. It's got the highest possible secrecy classification. Aren't you about to send him? Yeah, like you're, he's in the room. He's there. Just tell him where he's going. Are you going to black bag him and throw him out of a helicopter? Like, what's the... I guess so. Like, I... <clears throat> we don't want you being able to get back. <laughs> <laughs> I can only tell you it's impossible to conceal a compound of that size and fortification in a desert country. So they went to the jungle instead. 
Computer scans of the satellite photographs show a huge base, larger than anything we've dealt with before, heavily protected, and made up of a number of buildings. Halley, it's our belief that this compound is outer heaven, and Dr. Petovich is held prisoner somewhere in there. Two weeks ago, Dr. Petovich's daughter, Ellen, disappeared. Witnesses tell us that she was snatched from her college campus as she was leaving her dorm. Three masked men carrying automatic weapons jumped out of a long black limo with phony license plates, forced her inside, and took off at 80 miles an hour. Limo seems like a weird vehicle for a kidnapping. Well, yeah. Remember, they're, they're going to torture her with oh, mercy. Yeah. They care, they, yeah, they care about your comfort. <laughs> care Bear Stare. <laughs> We believe now that Dr. Petovich didn't give in under torture. Now we're afraid that top-secret nuclear information may have been taken from him because they're holding his only daughter prisoner, threatening to torture or kill her. But that's not all. There's something else, Hallie. Something even more terrifying. Something that has us really worried. We're worried about them getting nuclear codes? All right, let's go. Our intelligence sources have hinted at something called Metal Gear. What Metal Gear is, and when it's scheduled to be launched against us, we don't know. We don't know what it looks like, whether it's airborne, or how it's armed. We don't know how or even whether it can be disarmed. We presume it's controlled by some hidden supercomputer, and that it carries a nuclear payload. But we can't be certain of any of this. Our information is too fragmented and too obscure. All we're sure of is that Metal Gear is the most powerful and evil weapon ever devised. It could destroy our planet and every living thing on it. We've got to stop it before it's too late. Stand easy, Solid Snake. You, you, you don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. You don't know what it does. You don't know... Anything about it except basically the name. Yep. But you're certain that it's the most powerful and evil weapon <laughs> ever devised. I mean, what if it was a typo for metal deers? <laughs> I think that's a porno. Isn't that even? Yeah. Justin Halley took a step to the side and locked his hands behind his back. All his attention was focused on Commander South's words. Three weeks ago, we parachuted half our snake men squad into the jungle, hoping they could infiltrate Katafi's hidden base and rescue Dr. Petovich, or at least bring us back useful data on Outer Heaven and Metal Gear. Not a single one of them has come back. They may be all dead. There is some chance that one or more snake men may be held as prisoners. Our information on that is very scanty, I'm sorry to say. We can only hope... Their information on everything is pretty scanty here. What kind of intelligence apparatus do these people have? Also, that whole sentence there, or or that that, that portion of the paragraph I was talking about, like, like, uh, they haven't come back. They could be dead, they could be captured. I think the military have a term for that. It's called MIA. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you just say that, and it means all the things that you right. just described. Yeah, but they're, uh, 
they're writing for 12 year olds again. So, you know, that's fair. Like, but he, which makes sense, but this is a lot of exposition. It truly is. Yeah. I mean, um, at least we can assume that they're front loading all of the exposition. Right. So that the action just so that happens. we can, we, so that we can get into the extensive explanations of each time, uh, uh, Justin goes up behind somebody and puts them in a chokehold. <laughs> oh, I hope he hides in a box. Oh, yes, please. Um, there is some... Yeah, like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, the, same, the same problem that a lot of the books we read have. This chapter could benefit from some concise editing. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Um, it's shorter. I, I, I agree with that. I also think that... Uh, you know, in general, there's a like, if you're reading a book of any kind, it's first chapter syndrome. Like it's it's going to be a little bit of world building, setting the scene. Yeah, that's that's just part of in. it. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, this, at least, I mean, understanding the audience intended for this book i'm inclined to be a little more forgiving sure um which is not to say that this is not terrible because yeah. it is terrible like they they could have even 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 writing for 10 year olds like they could have made this this a little bit snappier i feel yeah or at least you know well and i don't know the the game itself basically had the same premise. Like, yeah. hey, there's a weapon. We don't know what it does. Go find out. <laughs> also, rec- rescue some people. There is a chance that one or more snake men may be held as prisoners. Our information on that is very scanty, I'm sorry to say. We can only hope that at least some of our men are still alive. Allie's skin prickled in anger and revulsion at the thought of his friends. Good men, perhaps dead, or even worse, alive and under torture. Yet he said nothing. No flicker of emotion showed on his face. Only the strong muscle in his jaw clenched tight. Understand me, Captain Halley. This will be your first solo mission. But there's a very good chance it may be your last one. Beyond doubt, it's a suicide mission. We want you to locate Outer Heaven, then search for and destroy Metal Gear. But you don't have to. But you don't. You don't have to. Also, beyond doubt, it's a suicide mission. Yeah. Like, Go forth and die. Yes. I. Like, at what point is it not a mission? Like, no, dude, you're gonna die. Right. I mean, I guess it's nice of them to, like, just let that be out there in advance. Like, don't sugarcoat it. Look, we're sent, we sent 15. They all got captured and or killed. So now we're sending you. Just you. Yeah, I'm, the the I mean, new guy. Like, yeah, but just, just this, the whole redundancy of, like, explaining just up front that it's a suicide mission... Like, okay, we have two elements here. We have the what's-his-face, West or South or whichever one it is, saying it's a suicide mission. And just before this, we got, we sent in 15 highly trained men 
and they you know, and we with none of them came back out. Both of these things communicate the same thing. Right. Yeah. We're we're, we're making the same point over and over. <laughs> and and this weird like no dude, you're you're gonna fucking die. Like we're gonna send you in. <laughs> you're gonna die. Like they're they're overselling it and underselling it at the same time and it's confusing to me. <laughs> like if they had just stopped it like it's very dangerous, you may not make it back. Like that's one thing, but no, dude, you're 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 not coming back from this. Well, they have to set the stakes really high so that when he actually succeeds, it seems incredible. Sure. Destroy Metal Gear, a solo mission against overwhelming odds. Justin Halley's neck hairs prickled at the idea of it, and the excitement made the red blood rush through his veins. Chapter blue two. When it's in your veins? Uh, no, actually, that's a that's a myth. Really? That's yeah. interesting. I didn't know that. Hey, Wait, blood's... what did you say? Um, um I okay. Oh, no, Joe was asking if blood was blue when it was in your veins, and I said, no, that's a myth, because uh, blood is actually always red. I didn't wait, know what, that. Wait, what do you mean? Y- your blood is always red. Mm, no, it's blue when it's in your veins. No, it's, uh, that's, that's not in fact true. It's just that your vein walls are blue, so it, it looks that way. Huh. It's that's... got nothing to do with the oxygenation. At least that's what I understand. Somebody out there in the in the listening audience, go ahead and start an argument in the comments about this. <laughs> okay, uh, here's what I'll tell you what my anatomy teacher in college had to say about this. Your anatomy um, teacher in college was full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, all, all they had to say was uh, was that uh, you know uh, he was like, "Have you guys ever wondered why when you know you get an injury?" to a vein like the blue like blue blood doesn't come out and we're all like uh no i actually never thought about that why and he said well when the oxygen i mean i'm sorry when the blood comes out it just automatically binds to the oxygen present that's like always in the air so it comes out red that is uh incorrect actually your oxygenated blood is bright red deoxygenated blood is a deep reddish purple um, the bluish color of veins is only an optical illusion. Blue light does not penetrate as far into tissue as red light. Huh. Well, I'll be, I'll be damned. We've yeah. all learned something. <laughs> I should, I, I need to go back to college and address my, my anatomy yeah, write that guy a letter. <laughs> this is edutainment at its finest. All right, cool. Chapter two, mission accepted. Chapter three. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, we want you to go in alone, continued Commander South, armed with nothing more than a compass. If well, you try, but, but like, why though? <laughs> <laughs> to what end? <laughs> uh, see, Frank over there doesn't think you can do it. I think you can. I got fifty bucks riding on you. <laughs> We're gonna make you do it on nightmare mode. <laughs> We know nothing about this compound except that it's facing north. (laughs) (laughs) They're just just fucking with him at this point. (laughs) No, no, like, like, 
like for like for some sort of conspiracy, they they needed him to say no to the mission. That's why they were like front loading all the danger. You're like, no, dude, you're gonna die. So you should say no, right? No, I'll do it. Uh, you can only go in with a compass. I'll do it. Ah, shit. Ah. <laughs> we were not expecting anyone to actually agree to this. <laughs> We want you to go in alone, continued Commander South, armed with nothing more than a compass. If you try to break in fully armed, you'll be slowed down. You won't last five minutes. That's not how guns work. Also, slowed down is a fucked up way to say mowed down and killed violently. Yeah, yeah. A sidearm is not that heavy. No, no. And isn't this guy like a, a... Navy SEAL or something? I, I forgot yeah. what his actual... Marine Special Forces, yeah. which like, is not a thing that thing exists. Is just, right. But but let's pretend this is an actual military thing. Like, wouldn't it be expected that they would carry heavy-ass packs in I, I, boots-on-the-ground scenarios? Uh, last time I heard, and of course, listeners, anyone out there who knows better than me, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the total weight of... Um, like the the average soldiers uh, that they carry is eighty pounds. That sounds about right. But no, with compass only. Anything else will slow you down. We want you to be a shadow to slip through unseen. Do you read me? Yes, sir. Every nerve in Bailey's mind and body were on red alert. Wait, who's Bailey? Yeah, I thought this was Justin Haley. That I'm assuming that's a typo, but yeah, it definitely says Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y, when previously it was Halley, H-A-L-L-E-Y. Let's see which one it becomes next. <laughs> um, to be kind of heard of this book, this obvious this this was printed in the '90s. It wasn't as an ebook, so there may have been something in the the scanning process that caused some glitches. Oh, you said it uh, was written in the 90s and wasn't published as an ebook. No, because they didn't have those in the yeah, 90s. That, that's very true. <laughs> that didn't stop all the authors before that not making mistakes. <laughs> that's true. I get your point, though. Yeah, it could have been a transcription error. Whatever weapons or equipment you need, you'll have to find on the spot or make do without. Speed is what's important here. This mission has to be completed within hours of your arriving in Outer Heaven. Commander South's stern face and steady gaze told Solid Snake as much as his words did, that this mission was of the utmost importance. Guys, I'm starting to feel like this might be an important mission. Might be an important mission. Dangerous, too. I I don't see the proof. Look for a transceiver radio. When you locate it, tune it to Foxhound Command's secret frequency. You're not going to give him a radio? No. No, he has to find one. He's get He gets a compass. <laughs> Just a compass. He has to kill his first man with the compass. <laughs> Go from there. They're not even going to give him the box. <laughs> I'm going to find this own box. Look for a transceiver radio. When you locate it, tune it to Foxhound Command's secret frequency. Then you'll be able to receive our radio transmissions. No! 
because that's how radios work. If you find any snake men alive and held as hostages, set them free. Rescue as many as you can, and we'll pick them up later. I'm glad you told me that, because my original plan was to tickle them. <laughs> We're sending you in alone. Right. With no weapons. No radio. Be, or radio. Because we want you to be a shadow that slips through unseen. We can presume that these captives will have been tortured and may be in serious need of medical assistance. But if you find them, just let them go. Just let them wander around. And <laughs> send them off to wander in the desert. It's fine. We'll pick them up later. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. Okay. Yeah, this, this all makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Fairness. I mean, I really feel like, the, and, and obviously that's what's happening, this writer is bending over backward to make the premise of the video game make logical sense. <laughs> and I feel like that's the wrong way to go about this. Yes, yeah, they, they worked this in the opposite direction from the, yeah. what they should have done. Like I, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. I probably couldn't have done much better, given like I don't know that I'd have tried. That's a fair point. Yeah. If if I were tackling this, the um, the only th and I was trying to somehow uh, transpose the uh, like the the gaming experience to a book. I don't know. I'd try to come up with some sort of meta plot revolving around Snake being controlled by an outside observer. Hmm. I don't know. That would. That's a dangerous territory to go down right there. Yeah, but it's better <laughs> than this. That's true. But be careful. Very careful, Captain Halley. It is Halley. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> the one guy got confused. <laughs> but be careful. Very careful, Captain Halley, even when dealing with snake men. Don't take anybody's word or anything at face value. Some of the snake men may have broken under torture and turned double agent. You won't know for sure which of them you can trust. Just kill all of them to be sure. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the best thing to do, absolutely. As for Ellen, Dr. Petovich's daughter, we don't know whether she's alive or dead. If you find her alive, she may be of some help with her father. Try to rescue Dr. Petovich, too. But if you can't, then you'll have to kill him. He's more valuable to the three world. Say what? And you won't get an S rank. <laughs> He's more valuable to the free world dead than alive and in the dangerous hands of Colonel Katafi. Understood? Sir, said Solid Snake. It was understood. In the game of terrorism, the stakes were high and often fatal. You can't see it, but I'm rolling my eyes. I'm glad. <sighs> oh, this next sentence makes me happy. The compass you'll be carrying is the latest technology. <laughs> I think I understand now. This is how they work. This is not the actual U.S. military. Um... <laughs> I, I completely understand, because I'm sorry, I, 
either that or this they haven't told us but this is actually taking place in like 1470 sure <laughs> highly advanced compass we we had to burn the guy who invented it for his witchcraft but look it magically <laughs> points north <laughs> Uh, tide goes in, tide comes out. You can't explain <laughs> that. <sighs> yeah. The compass you'll be carrying is the latest technology. It will transmit everything you say, and it contains a homing device. We'll be monitoring you constantly on the command center's computer screens. So, you know, don't lose the compass. Or you're fucked. Why not just... Put a radio yeah. with the compass. Like, just, get, just give him some chewing gum, something. I we're mean, not going to give you a radio, but we're going to give you a compass that's a shitty radio that doesn't benefit you in any way. We wouldn't want you being able to speak back to us. Yeah. You couldn't just put a compass in a two-way radio? I, eh. that, No, that would slow him down. That would put him over his weight limit. Right, right. Yeah, that's that's too much to ask. By means of the homing device in the compass, we'll be able to locate your position with pinpoint accuracy and target you to receive the radio transmissions this that will give you all the up-to-date information we have. You won't be able to hear us through the compass, so you'll need to locate that transceiver as quickly as you can. Just give it one. <laughs> He's, if he has to find one and carry it around anyway, why can't he just have one? As you penetrate the base, the radio broadcast will help you as much as we can. You'll be contacted. Oh. <laughs> right there? <laughs> be if, okay. if we can help you, we'll help you. Yes. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> As you penetrate the base, the radio broadcasts will help you as much as we can. You'll be contacted by our agent, codenamed Diana, on wavelength 12033. Huh, she sounds kind of hot. <laughs> she may sometimes identify herself as Boss Man. We can't tell you any more than that. Once again, Captain Halley. Oh, that's not a quote. Once again, Captain Halley only nodded without speaking. He understood fully the need for secrecy. Once you're in outer heaven, you're completely on your own, continued Commander South. We can't tell you how the base is fortified, or what traps Colonel Katafi and his forces might have set to detect your presence and kill you. You'll have to elude all their traps, deal with their security forces, find our lost snake men and Dr. Petovich, Locate which building houses Metal Gear, and somehow destroy the terrible weapon. It's a big job, Solid Snake. A very big job. It's the biggest mission one man has ever been sent on. Fifteen good snake men have already gone in, and not a single one has come back. We can't that's, afford... That's not in the book. I don't believe you. I, I swear to you. <laughs> do you. Do you think he understands the premise of this mission? Or should they explain it some more? <laughs> Wait, I missed something. Could you run that by me again? It's the biggest mission one man has ever been sent on. 
Fifteen good snake men have already gone in, and not a single one has come back. We can't afford to lose the rest of the squad. We're counting on you, and you alone. And, you know, if we do end up losing you, we have 14 more guys in reserve to just yeah. try. And, you know. Just send in one at a time until <laughs> something sticks. But the decision has to be yours. We can't order you in there to face almost certain death. Uh, well, can't they? They? <laughs> they can, actually. Yeah, like, that's, yeah. Instead, <coughs> they have to be passive-aggressive about it. But the decision has to be yours. We can't order you in there to face almost certain death. Will you do it? Knowing the one chance in a million you have of coming out alive, do you still volunteer? Sir, yes, sir. Good. You'll leave in an hour, said Commander South, nodding. We haven't a moment to spare. We have an hour. Not a moment. Not a moment. But an hour. But first, How long it takes him to find his compass? <laughs> we haven't a moment to spare. But first, get rid of that uniform you're wearing. Whoa. I'm going to send you a new... <laughs> With only a compass. <laughs> That was a very, like, kind of romance novel like, but first, let's get you out of that, you fool. <laughs> I'll show you the meaning of Solid Snake. <laughs> that base isn't the only thing you're going to penetrate. <laughs> South scowled at the crisp, olive-drab fatigue suit that covered Solid Snake's muscular body. Hi. I like where this is going. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, this took a turn I was not expecting. No wonder they need that hour. <laughs> I'm not mad about it, though. Let's go. We don't want you wearing or carrying anything that links you back to your unit. This mission is top secret. Really? I hadn't picked up on that. We're issuing you a special camouflage suit. Pick it up at the Quartermasters, put it on, and be back here at 1,400 hours. No you dog tags. Do you think if he said, pick it up, but he didn't tell him to put it on, that Snake would have just gone, like, taken the, the thing and then just gone to the helicopter nude, carrying the, the outfit? <laughs> Uniform in I mean, one hand, compass in the other. He clearly needs things to be explained to him very carefully. <laughs> oh, that's why they keep going back over yeah. it. Oh, no, that's it. That's the explanation. This snake is actually incredibly dumb, and he just somehow passed all the tests, and like they're trying to get rid of him because of how stupid he is. Uh, right. <laughs> no dog tags. Wear no identification of any kind. Take nothing else with you that might connect you to Foxhound and the snake men, with the exception of this compass. Is that clearly understood? Nothing. Yes, sir. Justin saluted snappily, turned on his heel, and marched out. Not even your face. Hand me the filleting knife. As the door to the command center closed behind Halley, Commander South sighed deeply and rubbed his hand over his brow. What an asshole. <laughs> Do you think he bought it? Asked General West softly. Halley? That's not in the book. No, it is. It's, it's... Do you think he bought it? Asked General West softly. I'm trying to get rid of him. Hallie? He'll do as he's ordered. He's the best of the snake men. I hate to lose him. He's highly trained and qualified. It galls me to have to sacrifice Solid Snake. 
that that's the way it has to be if we're to stop this madman Katafi and his new infernal deadly weapon, Metal Gear. Tell me about the Snake Men. Who are they? You don't know? (laughs) For a fraction of a second, South hesitated. The information on the squad was highly classified, top secret, but West was his new second-in-command, and therefore entitled to be briefed. Indeed briefed. Codename Snakemen is a unit that doesn't officially exist. You won't find them on any roster in the Pentagon. But somewhere in Utah, in a silo deep underground, a picked elite force of 30 young Marine officers has been undergoing intensive anti-terrorist training. It's a different kind of training from anything you've ever imagined, West. (laughs) In what way? General West asked curiously. In addition to being chosen... (laughs) (laughs) In addition to being chosen for their courage, their intelligence and loyalty, or their incredible physical stamina and coordination, the Snake Men have been taught to survive with their bare hands. They've learned to create equipment and weapons out of nothing more than a hostile terrain. Any kind of terrain, from big city to deepest jungle to driest desert. At the same time, they've been getting top-secret training in 21st century weapons that the world believes are still only on the drawing boards. I'm proud to say that our snake men are trained to handle virtually anything. Most important of all, this unit has been selected for their intelligence and swiftness of mind. The snake men have been trained <laughs> The snake men have been trained to use their brains, to outthink their opposition, to project themselves into the actual mindsets of the enemy, so that they can strike first, just like the snake for which they're named. Snake men use their brains before their guns in any situation, even when it threatens their own lives. Obviously, like agreeing to go on a fucking yeah suicide mission alone armed only with a fucking compass yet they obey without thought or question the orders of a superior officer they've been trained to use their brains except they don't yeah yeah they just mindlessly follow words except when they don't they're, they're trained to follow but trust no one but follow but use their brains but also yeah. In a world. In a world. <laughs> in a world filled with warfare and terrorism, where space age technology has made the destruction of the Earth more than a possibility, the Snake Men <clears throat> have been chosen to be saviors. And Halley? As I said, Justin Halley is the best of the Snake Men. He'll be almost impossible to replace, but we have no choice. Metal Gear. It is a weird premise. Metal Gear is the most serious threat to democracy we've ever been up against. I thought that was voter apathy. It's a weapon of unlimited potential for destruction. The future of the free world depends on our finding it and destroying it. If you're going to use Solid Snake as a diversion device, then why did you give him the compass? prompted West. It's a phony. It's just an ordinary government-issue compass. Nothing special about it. It's just something for Hallie to hang on to. 
but we will definitely be tracking him. The real homing device is a microscopic electronic unit sewed into the left sleeve of his new camouflage suit. Uh, why? What, what do they? What do they hope? Does he have a bomb implanted in his torso? <laughs> like that way, Jennifer can pinpoint him for radio transmission. He, like he, he's, he's going in there to die, so we're only giving him a compass. But he's going to die, so we're not going to put the uh, you know the, the transceiver in his compass. We're going to put it in his pants instead. <laughs> yeah. sure. Instead of the... But we're going to tell him it's in the compass. Right. But it's not going to be in the compass. <laughs> but, but, like, why, though? <laughs> so that he can find North. <laughs> that way, Jennifer can pinpoint him for radio transmission. Jennifer... You told Hallie Diana would be transmitting over the radio. <laughs> I know, right? This is going to be hilarious. He's not going to know what's going on. It's going to be great. <laughs> Commander South chewed at his lip. <laughs> Jennifer will also be transmitting, but Solid Snake won't actually pick up her signals because she'll be on a different frequency. <laughs> well, why are they doing this? <laughs> He'll get Diana's instead, and she'll lead him around with false clues for as long as possible, so that we can buy a little time to set are up they, the real raid. Are they fucking with him? What's the... So Hallie is to be used as nothing more than a decoy? General West looked puzzled. I'm afraid so. We're sending him in to create a diversion, a smokescreen. They could have just told him that. Then the real attack by the full forces of Boxhound Command can take Colonel Katafi by surprise, catch him off guard, defeat him, disarm Metal Gear, save as many of our snake men as are still alive, and rescue Dr. Petovich and his daughter. Wouldn't, wouldn't a guy going into the base put them on high alert? Because you know what's a great diversion for an entire base full of armed terrorists set to destroy everything that the West holds dear. Mm -hmm. One unarmed dude. One dude, yeah. Not unarmed. He has a compass. A compass that doesn't have a tracking device in it. I feel like he could have performed this mission more successfully if they had just been like, look, we're going to send you in to make noise to yeah, distract fact, them so that the main force can come in. Their entire like point they hammered home to him in agonizing detail. So much detail. How important it was that he be silent and oh, unnoticed. Shit, right. Like, what kind of diversion is he going to... This, this now, premise just collapsed upon itself <laughs> in chapter two. Now, I'm, I'm no strategist. However, I feel like if if I was in charge of this situation and I was and we, and we were going to try to do this, I would reverse the roles. I would say, all right, Snake, you're going to go and bind enemy lines. You're going to wait for our raid, which is going to happen so, like like off base, like close to it, so that the forces of the base are drawn out of it to defend it, and then you go in, and there'll be less people inside because of it. I mean, 
Does that yeah. work? Does yeah. That, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That's, We're going to create the distraction so that you can go in as a lone man. That, that makes total sense. Right. We're going to send you in with a compass and a sidearm. A, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe a goddamn radio and sure. a sidearm. And we'll have a bunch of people making a whole lot of noise, like, a you know, half a kilometer away. Mm-hmm. And maybe send some bombers in. Yeah. Yeah, something. The commander smiled very sadly, and West could see the pain in his eyes. It was obvious that Commander South hated the deception he'd been forced to practice on his Marine Captain Justin Halley. Captain Halley, Solid Snake, is brave and loyal, and very fast on his feet. And very stupid. Most of all, he's logical and quick-thinking. Of all the snake men we have left, he'll buy us the most time. So what you're saying is that Captain Halley is expendable? Asked West. Obviously. Commander South sighed hopelessly. Worse than that, he's disposable. Uh, I mean, he is what? in the military. I feel like that, that <clears throat> assumption is kind of part of the buy-in. Yeah, they do kind of, you know, that's the expendable is not as bad as disposable. So that's cool. Um, that's those, the thing I learned. Are, those are synonymous. For the most part, yeah. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> what do words mean? <laughs> Chapter three, getting in. Justin Halley sat in the dark glider his long legs cramped up almost to his chest. His seatbelt buckled across his shoulder and lap, the parachute strapped to his back. He'd been sitting like this for many hours. The glider was completely sealed. His little cockpit let in no light. Do you yeah, think... You, um, they did, in fact, black bag him. They did. Do you think that like military helicopters have special seats for people wearing parachutes? I'm just curious. I don't, I don't, that's that's yeah, not I don't a joke. Know. That's, a, that's <laughs> an interesting question. That's I don't a know. great question. I like. Do, I think they do. Yeah, they sort of like sit sideways, right? Uh, answer in the comments if you know. yeah if if you know this. <sighs> Allie had no idea what direction the mother plane had carried him. Only they'd given him a compass. <laughs> All he knew for certain was that at some predetermined point, just before the jet came within radar range of outer heaven, the it glider had been released. Soon, it would lose enough altitude to come in low and escape enemy radar detection. Later, I'm sorry, I just I feel like this, there is a huge misopportunity here uh-huh. with the compass. Should so, have written a better book? <laughs> well, no, no. I mean, just like okay. So David was reading this. I just came up with this on the fly. Uh-huh. Like so, on that premise, I am judging the author of this book. I feel like it would have been a like this, there's a, a missed opportunity here for Snake, like in the plane, not knowing where he's going. He looks at the compass, sees which direction they're flying, and he's like, "Oh, well, the, you know, this or not, not plane helicopter." He's like, "Oh, helicopters fly at you know so and so knots." And we've been doing this for about thirty minutes, and that would put us. X amount of miles in this direction, which would put us here. And he like figures out where, you know, like they're going just based on the estimates right. that he can come up with because he knows all that stuff. He's really well trained sure. to use his brain. Yeah, yeah, him being smart seems to be a lot of telling and not showing. So far. 
Um, soon it would lose enough altitude to come in low and escape enemy radar detection. Later, at some other preset time, the explosive bolts of the glider's cockpit cover would release, and Halley would parachute out and down into the unknown. From there, he'd be on his own. The sudden sound of the cockpit bolts exploding startled Halley, but the instant his eject seat hurled him out of the glider, every one of his senses was on red alert. In my mind's eye, it's not like a like a super secret um or like a like a high tech military thing. It's just like a chair on a catapult that also an ejection seat doesn't work on a helicopter because you go up into the blade. He's not in a helicopter. He's in a glider. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's like a, the way they're describing it, it's like a weird capsule that they've stuck him in. Yeah, basically. He's uh, just stuck in a cockpit with wings, effectively, that then <clears throat> explodes open, shooting him up into the air and parachuting down with no actual concept of where he needs to go to get to the base relative to where he's landing because they didn't tell him any of that information. I feel like... you're in the sky for a long time when you parachute. Like, some steering needs to occur. And you know, even if you're coming in under radar, like, if you're close enough to see the base, Mm -hmm. they're probably close enough to see you coming in. It's true. I feel like an actual glider would have been like way less expensive and performed the same purpose. Or if they had wingsuits back in this time, I'm not sure if they did. I mean, they had a high tech compasses, so they could have had a wingsuit. Why not? Sure. Um, but I mean, ultimately, he's uh, it's it's just a simple glider that happens to have been blacked out. Right. Um. The whole point is that they don't want him to know where he's going, how he got there, where he is. Um, Watch. Yeah. He's, he's going to get radio contacted, and the first thing they're going to ask him is, "Is what's your location? <laughs> <laughs> the sudden sound of the cockpit bolts exploding startled Halley, but the instant his eject seat hurled him out of the glider, every one of his senses was on red alert. The chute opened without effort, unfurled like a giant silken sail, and carried Solid Snake silently to Earth. He snapped the lines free and gathered the folds of the chute into a bundle he could carry. Now he looked around him, trying to see something, anything, but visibility was zero. Allie had landed in complete darkness, in the middle of what felt like, and smelt like, jungle. This is a stupid premise. (laughs) Trees and vines were all around him, and there was a heavy, warm mist rising from the jungle floor. Seeing anything at all was impossible. Down and safe, he spoke into his compass, hoping that someone at Foxhound Command was online and was monitoring him. (laughs) He's talking to the compass! Oh yeah, that's that's how he gets back to them, remember? Like... (laughs) (laughs) But... We're not giving you a radio. Here's this compass. Talking to it. (laughs) Until you find a radio. This feels like hazing. 
<laughs> like a, like a snipe hunt that they that they've sent him on. I mean, it genuinely was though. Yeah, that's fair. All around him, Hallie heard the sounds of the jungle, of wild beasts, night stalkers, and killer animals. It was too dark to travel. He'd have to wait until dawn. Wait just a goddamn minute. Yo. It, we have to send you in right now. Mm-hmm. This mission is time-sensitive and critical. Right. There is no time to spare. And apparently no flashlights. Not a moment mm-hmm. to lose. Make camp till dawn. Yup. We've we precisely timed this mission with this capsule glider down to the second so that you're gonna drop in at a time when it's too fucking dark to accomplish anything. Although one would think if he's trying to make a stealth approach that that waiting until dawn would be disadvantageous. I would think that. Yeah, a stealth approach <clears throat> with, I don't know, maybe night vision goggles. Right. I guess that would have slowed him down. Or even how hard would it have been to write a sentence like, he was such an action badass that he could navigate comfortably without light. Or, he, or like, it provided that the compass is like has like a little glow in the, in the dark quality, just like follow a specific location and he just goes through the oh, darkness. Yeah. Yep. But then he would have to know where he was going and he can't have that. <laughs> for some unknown stupid reason. Climbing up into a nearby tree, Hallie disturbed a sleeping tribe of little red monkeys who scattered through the branches, angrily chattering. Justin wrapped the parachute around him and settled into the crotch of the tree to grab a few hours of uneasy sleep. He didn't know when he'd get the chance to rest again. Does this book feel like it's playing for time? (laughs) (laughs) Three hours later, Hallie awoke. Although the sun could barely pass through the thick jungle canopy, enough light penetrated to rouse Hallie. All of his senses on red alert, he looked around him in every direction. Apart from the animal and bird sounds of early morning, there was nothing. Justin climbed down silently to the jungle floor and set out on his mission. The search for outer heaven. Aside from all the sounds, there were no sounds. <laughs> Some highly developed instinct, the result of his snake man training, led his feet west. He noticed that there were fewer... On a whim! <laughs> He's just go like... Oh, this is fine. <laughs> I'm instinctively going west. I mean... The result, it, in, maybe they're trying to say that he instinctively knew the direction of West due to his intensive military but the training. The he has as a compass. <laughs> Beyond that, like with his extensive training, like with the sun rising in the yeah, east, was, he I knew was to gonna make that point too. He watched the sunrise; like he can determine direction. <laughs> But the one piece of equipment he has is a compass. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a special, it's a special objective, Joe. You, he won't get the S rank if he uses the compass. Uh, did they get paid extra by the word? Is that what's going on here? It like, feels like, I mean, and, and, and again, I think it's a product of the events that happened in the video game. And again, this was a Nintendo game. 
probably wouldn't have made a coherent story. And, right, yeah, no, they definitely <clears throat> didn't. Like, right. And these writers didn't really understand the game anyway. It kind of feels like that's, that's subjective, that's my opinion. So they just built this, this crust of all of this round video game so that they didn't have to try to write the video game into a book. <clears throat> yeah, this is, this is an interesting thing. Uh, oh, okay. That, that makes sense. Here we go. Um, some highly developed instinct, the result of a snake man training, led his feet west. He noticed that there were fewer birds and monkeys in that direction, and fewer animals always spells the dangerous presence of man. Animals were far from stupid. They could teach man a few tricks about survival in hostile terrain. So West Halley went, keeping low and as quiet as possible. So at least there's, you know, justification for sure. why he went west. I, I can, I can I dig just, that. I just like the whole, uh, like, the lack of animals <laughs> always means the presence of man, except all the times that it doesn't. Yeah. Also, the fact that he himself is a man. So... True. <clears throat> As he moved without sound through the jungle, Justin Halley found himself suddenly in a patch of jungle growth that was fouled by a strong, almost sickening odor. His nose wrinkled. Solid Snake recognized that smell. Panther musk. It might be a useful weapon. <laughs> Rubbing himself against the Panther. jungle plants, Allie let the heavy, musky cat smell seep into his suit of camos. This is quickly becoming furry fan uh, fiction. <laughs> now he smelled exactly like a jungle killer. Other animals would keep out of his way. Unless, of course, he should bump into another male panther. Then he'd be in for the battle of his life. Battle. Solid Snake smiled at the thought of himself in a cat fight, although it would be no laughing matter if it actually happened. This is a stupid book. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You probably won't survive, Justin. Getting into a hand-to-hand -hand fight with a fucking panther. Mm -hmm. With but a compass. With a compass. He's, he's like in a bar 20 years later. You ever hear a story about how I killed a panther with a compass? At last, after three more miles of trudging through dense, dank vegetation, Justin Halley saw light ahead. Dank vegetation, man. That could only mean a clearing. A man-made clearing. Except for when it doesn't. Trees had been cut down around a huge circle several miles wide, and the leafy canopy had a large hole in it now. Sunlight poured down. Careful now. Allie crouched down and edged forward very slowly. On the edge of the clearing he stopped. Bingo. Three military trucks with a strange insignia painted on their sides were parked in the clearing two of them close together, and the third much farther off. The insignia, a grinning, fanged reptile entwined around a broken, twisted tree, 
was something Hallie didn't recognize, but it had a menacing quality that struck a familiar chord deep inside him. Um, Jesus, their intelligence sucks. Yeah, it, 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 but they didn't. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, we have we have no idea where this base is, except we do, and it there's this giant uh, jungle canopy, except for the clearing where the base is. But <laughs> I, mean, I don't know, could be a decoy. Yeah. It told him that Metal Gear wasn't far away. Beyond the trucks, about half a mile away and surrounded by a high electrified fence, stood a vast compound of sealed-off buildings. They appeared to be made of cast concrete or heavy stone, and they had no visible windows. Solid Snake grinned. The satellite photos of Foxhound Command were on target. This massive and menacing compound must be outer heaven. Solid Snake sat back and spoke softly into his compass. Like an asshole. I think I'm at mission site. I have visual ID of potential target. Looks like outer heaven, guys. He waited a minute. But how? How Hoping for a reply. Maybe a beep of some kind to let him know that his home base had him on the computer screen. But there was no return transmission. Was the monitoring system working? Or had he been cut off from Foxhound Command? He'd have to locate a radio transceiver as soon as possible to find out. (laughs) Justin stood up carefully, looking in every direction. As he did, the jungle silence was broken by a sudden ear-splitting chorus of snarls and growls. Six barking killer dogs, giant half-starved Dobermans, burst out of one of the trucks. Their fangs were enormous, white, and sharp. Their powerful jaws dripped foamy saliva. Snapping and howling, they raced toward Hallie at top speed. They have a dog truck. They do have a dog truck. And he's covered in panther piss. So... (laughs) (sighs) Chapter 4 Do the dogs just like trips? Why is there a truck full of dogs? I, I I can't answer those questions. I... Here here would be my guess. In the Nintendo game, like when you like you get to the base and mm-hmm. like a patrol guy with a dog like come out of a truck uh, a, a, a a truck uh graphic. Right. And so that became this. Oh uh, yeah. Chapter 4. Inside the Gates. In his training with the Snake Men, Justin had learned an entire language of commands to control killer dogs. If you got an idea, if you got a thought there, get it out, buddy. Come on. (laughs) Use your your words. All of that is... is, is Horse shit. If the dogs aren't trained to to respond to those words, yeah, or not that that they're trained. This is my master. Yeah, um, like German uh, police, German shepherds. If given commands by like that, they they only take commands from their handlers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's. uh, It would be pretty stupid to have a trained attack dog. That someone could just say, sit. 
and then run the fuck away from. Right. Quit it. <laughs> he could get them to halt and to sit in German, Russian, Swahili, Chinese, Japanese, Arabic, and a dozen other tongues. But he had no idea in what country he was now, not even which continent. His canine vocabulary would be of no use here. And why did you bring it up? He had only seconds <laughs> to spare. Right <laughs> so the dogs come up and he just goes, would you kindly not attack me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could just start barking out commands in every language you can think of to see if it works. Oh. Did, did anyone catch that reference I just made? I didn't, okay. Would you kindly? Um, anyway. Over the head. Bioshock. <laughs> oh, right. Right. No way could Solid Snake outrun this pack of trained attack dogs. Without a weapon, he couldn't even defend himself. Even if he managed to snatch up a branch from the jungle floor and use it as a club, Allie was no match for half a dozen frenzied attack dogs who lived only to tear out an intruder's throat. Suddenly, an idea struck him. It was a crazy idea, but it could be his only chance. Throwing himself to the ground, Hallie raised himself on all fours, like a giant cat, bracing himself as the dogs came closer. He could smell their hot, strong breath and see their insane, rolling eyes. Most of all, there were those sharp white fangs, less than a foot from his face. Now the killer dogs had almost reached him. They were only inches away from chewing him into raw hunks of bloody flesh. Solid Snake arched his back high. He snarled and growled low in his throat, meanwhile staring hard at the lead dog with narrowed, angry eyes. Drawing his upper lip back, Hallie spat and yowled like a furious giant cat. Meow, 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 meow. Meow, 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 meow. Just as they heard Hallie's unearthly sounds, the strong scent of the panther musk on his camouflage suit hit the dog's sensitive noses. Jungle predator, a male panther. Between the sounds and the smell, the Dobermans perceived Solid Snake as a big cat. 170 pounds of pure panther power, with incredibly strong teeth and claws sharp enough to rip a dog into confetti. Are they? Are they doing this so that he wouldn't hurt a dog? In because this is you know a novel for young. Is years. this supposed to be comic relief? I think it's supposed to show that he's quick thinking, uh-huh. that he's you know um, resourceful, mm-hmm. and also that apparently smelling like a panther and making panther noises <laughs> With is enough. Mouth. To make six angry dogs suddenly turn and flee, mm. um, the Doberman skidded to a halt, yelping, then turned tail and rushed away, almost knocking each other over in their eagerness to escape. Meow, 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 meow. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a cat. <laughs> Laughing under his breath, Justin Halley watched them go. I'm just seeing him with his ass in the air, like, oh, I'm a bad kitty. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to fight me, you bugs. I'm a bad kitty. (laughs) What I love about this is they were like six dogs 
totally willing to tear a single human being limb from limb. Mm-hmm. But drop to all fours and smell like a cat? <laughs> nah, nah, nah. Dogs don't fuck with cats. We know that. That's like, like I've, I've, I've written like you know small little things <clears throat> that like that I knew no one else would ever see. Um, and I, and like I would come up with things that were exponentially not nearly as stupid as this, but I would like <laughs> review them and be like. No, that's dumb. And then I wouldn't put it in. I just give up the project, you know, whatever. But like, this is real stupid. And this is going to be published. Like, the guy wrote this. This is the power of believing in yourself. And (laughs) also having, you know, a major brand like Nintendo behind you. Um, And Scholastic, which was a pretty big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Laughing under his breath, Justin Halley watched them go. Then Halley's expression turned serious. He had some heavy work to do. Crouching low, he slipped silently, almost invisibly, across the clearing to the nearest truck, about fifty yards away. He kept his eyes peeled for guards, but saw none. Empty. The truck stood empty. No guards, no dogs. On the seat in the truck's cab, a pair of powerful rubber-cased field binoculars had been left. Solid Snake's hands closed around them in triumph. The binoculars were the first piece of the equipment he'd need. Now he was on his way. Should he commandeer this truck? No, the third truck, parked furthest from him, was closest to the gate of outer heaven. That was the most useful one. By the time he'd made his way over there, he'd know if any of the trucks were guarded. The second truck was, in fact, guarded. Inside the cab, the uniformed guard, a muscular man with a heavy black mustache, was drowsing in the front seat. Halley came up behind him without a sound. The man only turned in his sleep, snoring. How do you come up behind somebody if they're sitting in a car seat? Like, in a truck cabin? That's a good question. Maybe through the back of the truck? If it's open? I... mm. Uh, I got nothing. Two swift rabbit punches from Solid Snake's strong, quick fist, and the sleeping guard was out like a light. On a one-way ticket to dreamland. That's a rabbit punch. Like a karate chop. Like a, yeah, quick punch, just... Okay. One down. But was the sleeping guard alone? Guards almost always come in pairs. A sudden noise behind him made Halley turn. Another uniformed guard, tall and heavy, was leveling an automatic weapon at Solid Snake's stomach growling something in a guttural language Halley didn't understand. But Justin could see the guard... being all the languages. Yeah. yeah. We established that. What language could this possibly be? But Justin... Or maybe he only knows dog commands. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he just learned how to speak to dogs in every language on the planet. <laughs> that makes more sense, yeah. A sudden noise behind him made Halley turn. Another uniformed guard, tall and heavy, was leveling an automatic weapon at Solid Snake's stomach, growling something in a guttural language Halley didn't understand. But Justin could see the guard's finger tightening on the trigger. Lightning fast, Halley aimed a knee kick and connected. With a cry of pain, the big man went down, and an open-handed chop to his hairy neck finished him off for now. Big men are just a recurring... Yeah, they're, they're all big men. 
He lay still, not even twitching. Solid Snake looked around. The overpowering of the two guards had been so swift and silent that no alarm had been raised. Yet. But it could happen at any moment. Should he take the guard's Kalashnikov automatic weapon? No. Halley might encounter metal detectors on his way into the Outer Heaven compound. Better What's wait until I'm inside, he thought. <laughs> um, you know, compass stuff. But something else caught Justin Halley's eye. He knelt down at the side of the fallen guard. Attached to the big man's uniform by a pin was a plastic card bearing that same strange insignia and encoded with a series of raised symbols. Hallie recognized it immediately as a key card that might activate at mm -hmm. least one of the electronic doors and gates of the Metal Gear base. The falling man must be an officer to be authorized to carry a key. This was a real piece of luck. Solid Snake pocketed the key card and moved rapidly toward the third truck. The third truck was empty and unguarded. It was parked fairly close to the gate of the base. Justin Halley got behind the wheel and put the truck into low gear. The vehicle moved slowly toward the entrance of the base, driving with one hand and feeling around on the front seat with the other. Solid Snake found a package of half-eaten rations. Evidently, the men must have recently had their breakfast. Cautiously, he took a nibble, tasted it, and made a face. Government-issue field rations are the same all over the world, he thought. They may be packed densely with nutrition and vitamins, <clears throat> but they taste like a cross between cat food and an old rubber tire. I mean, Even I'm, like, I went on a camping trip with my brother and a friend, and we, and, <clears throat> like, my, my parents just, get, you know, on, on a whim got military rations from a, from a, uh, a, army surplus store and we had them and it wasn't bad like it wasn't it was basically just like on par with mcdonald's you know yeah. mres aren't bad they just get real old real quick right like, even so he chewed the rations quickly and swallowed grimly no telling when he'd get another meal and this so-called food would at least give him a quick energy boost also on the seat was a pack of cigarettes. Allie reached for them, but drew his hand back. Could they be poisoned? <laughs> what? 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 Why would you assume that? I mean, they're cigarettes. I mean, yeah, by definition, they're poisoned. But, but also, yeah, like let's leave a poisoned pack of cigarettes just hanging out, just around, where anyone could find them. His instincts told him that they could be a deadly trap. <laughs> I... It's been a really good opportunity to tell kids not to smoke. I'm surprised they didn't take. And I mean, like, if if you're gonna suspect that, you might as well like there could be a landmine in the truck seat. Right. I mean, why would you poison the cigarettes but not the food? She sure. ate the food. <laughs> With with no yeah with no hesitation no reservations whatsoever picked it up and ate the half eaten thing. Also on the seat was a pack of cigarettes. Halley reached for them but drew his hand back. Could they be poisoned? His instincts told him that they could be a deadly trap, which you know addiction. Yeah. And even if the cigarettes contained no added poisons, they were deadly enough in themselves. Oh, spoke too soon. He decided to leave them where they were. 
but he did take the matches. Matches could be used in many ways. What a waste of the reader's time. Always play with matches, kids. Start a fire. <laughs> Start a fire. The truck was at the gate now. Solid Snake slipped out of the driver's seat and crouched down, keeping the vehicle between him and the gate, while his quick eyes darted around, checking for guards. Two armed men were patrolling, but they were overconfident, talking to each other in that same strange language. They didn't expect to see Halley, so they didn't see Halley. He had made himself into a shadow, as he'd been trained. That's actually pretty cool. Like, I, I like that. That mm. speaks a lot about perception and you know how it's it's easy to blend in if you're not something if you're not looking for something you're not gonna see it that makes sense yeah holding his breath solid snake waited until they passed along to the far side of the electrified fence then hallie duck walked up to the gate looking for the electronic lock when he reached it he stood up this was it Would the key card in his hand be the one that opened this locked gate? Or would the alarm go off, bringing guards running from all sides? Only one way to find out. That's a perfect place to end it. <laughs> Allie pressed the embossed side of the card against the lock. For a split second, nothing happened. Then, a click. The gate opened and Hallie ran inside. Swifter than a shadow, and just as invisible. Do you know what shadows aren't? Invisible. Invisible. <laughs> That's, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. the opposite of... I don't know if you're copying, but I'm in, he whispered to the homing device, the compass he'd been carrying. No radio, so no response. In case you forgot those details yeah, from earlier him, in the book. Him just futilely talking into the compass like an asshole is hilarious to me. <laughs> because really I just is. imagine that, that they're just laughing at him in the base. <laughs> he's doing it. He's talking to the compass. <laughs> what a shithead. I'm, I'm imagining like like he gets captured and the people like like the interviewer comes out from the interrogation room and he's like, so who is he? I don't know, man. He keeps talking to his compass. I think he's insane. <laughs> Once again, Justin wondered if anyone back at command could hear him. Maybe the compass was defective. Maybe the transmission channel was blocked or scrambled. Maybe who knew? The possibilities for a mess-up were almost endless. What he didn't know was that although the compass was really just a compass, he was transmitting after all, through a hidden micro-radio that has been sewn into the sleeve. <laughs> In what case he... you forgot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out onto the street real quick and... I'm going to jump into the air and do a half front flip so I land on my head in such a way that it snaps my neck. I'll be right back. <laughs> <sighs> what he didn't know was that although the compass was really just a compass, he was transmitting after all through a hidden micro radio that had been sewn into his sleeve back at the base. He's in, Commander South announced, his eyes on the large computer screen. Heaven help him, whispered General West.
You know, that also means they, they, they picked up all the parts where he acted like a cat without any yeah, context. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> they just heard him making fancy noises. <laughs> I mean, I assume they can't actually hear him. I don't know. Like, yeah. I'm not, I, I'm a, even no, though No, no, they, no, no, they, no, the word used, micro microphone. That, they, they said that. Hidden micro radio. I'm sorry, micro radio, but that, so, that mean, implies audio. It does, or at least a radio signal going out yeah, for you know transmit. That would be that would be a transceiver, I believe. I don't know, but I mean, the, who's to say that the writer of this book does that? Right. Um, yeah. What do you think, listeners? Is solid <laughs> Justin talking to himself, or can they hear him back at base? <laughs> Also, his name is Solid Justin now because yeah, it's like I approve so greatly of that. Ah, uh, Solid Justin. Um, I can't so... wait until we get to uh, Revolver Elizabeth. Nice. <laughs> so, what did we think of this adventure? <laughs> I, I'm I'm having a great time here. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> this is um. I personally vote that we should come back to this. I wouldn't be mad about it. Yeah, we can jump forward into it and do uh, another episode, because I think this is like 17 chapters. I wouldn't mind jumping in toward the end. Sure, when things start happening. Sure. Um, but I don't know, because like, I, I don't know what happens in the first Metal Gear game, but like, think about all the, all the crazy, wacko characters that Kojima has, has come up with, that this guy has to take in like internalize and then reproduce through his own lens. I mean, like, do we want to miss that? I promise you that you're not going to miss out on a whole lot. Like the first metal gear, there's, there's not a whole lot of story. I, I got an emulator that worked on like, an early 2000s cell phone at one point to play Metal Gear. Um, it's it's not a, a deep game. You can probably watch someone play through it on YouTube in like 20 minutes. I don't know that's for sure the case, but like... Sounds about right. At least if you know, like I imagine it because there was some like, you know, there was stealth, obviously, which was pretty revolutionary at the time. Yeah. Um, and I think there was some element of like corridor exploration, but yeah, it's not a long game. Right. Um, so yeah, are we, is that where we want to leave it for now? Just, we'll probably come back to it next time or at least later. I mean, I, I, I did want to say that I'm a little disappointed in Scholastic Mm -hmm. just in general. Like I get Nintendo wanting to cross market. And like, hey, we've got this intellectual property. Um, You know, we want to spread the name, spread our brand, and like get that into hands of people that don't necessarily currently play video games so that maybe they get excited by this and then they want to live the adventure themselves. And at that point, you know, they've got a Nintendo entertainment system, so they're going to go out and buy other games too. And all of that potentially buy a Nintendo entertainment system because of the book. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I, I don't 
fault them for that cross marketing whatever it's a it's a thing people do and scholastic is in business to sell books and make books and they're kind of doing the same thing trying to get books out into hands of people that don't typically read but for fuck's sake man yeah this is a low bar yeah also at at what point in the decision-making process of whoever's in charge of this, because somebody had to get this this writer in particular and say, yep, that's the man for the job. At what point does the person who is in charge of that decision go, hey, we should, we should have the writers play the game and pick one that really enjoyed it or, like, was passionate about it? Like, like oh, I, this, mean, I, this, I, I love this game, actually. I think this was just, like, it was this weird, like, this whole, this whole story of the, this series is weird. Because it was just this guy who who owned a book packaging plant just somehow parlayed that into this. And it was just this weird kind of cottage project with him and a few authors that he found. Like the the actual makers of these video games were too busy to send them any synopses of the games. They just kind of had to cobble it together themselves. It's very peculiar. Yeah, that's a that real weird thing. It's, it... <sighs> what other... Like, I did see Castlevania. Um, what other... Blaster uh, Master? Blaster Master, yeah. Uh, Ninja Gaiden. I'd be interested in seeing how that went. And Wizards and Warriors. So, specifically, no magic, occultism, sex, drugs, whatever, Mm -hmm. but we're going to turn Castlevania 2, Simon's Quest, Ninja Gaiden, and Wizards and Warriors into books. I almost can't help but think maybe we should do more of this series later on. I I would I would actually be super down for that. Yeah. Sure. Me too. Yeah. Um so yeah, I think we're going to wrap up there unless we have more thoughts. Um don't forget to like and subscribe for more content that is apparently very focused on large men. <laughs> that that's this is the the beef make large huge podcast <laughs> um follow us on all the things uh patreon.com slash brainworms podcast give us some money to buy editing software and possibly <clears throat> mental salves yeah. for our pain oh, oh oh i do have one last thing to say sure Meow 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 any copyrighted content contained within this podcast is used for purposes of review. Brainworms podcast is David Combs, Christian Schaefer, and Joseph Wells. Editing and post production by David Combs. Art provided by Kane Magdalene. The theme music is HodgePod Number 1 by Brian Davis. If you like what you heard, please support us on Patreon or Ko-Fi, 
or by leaving a review on your favorite listening app.